The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not represent Holding Short Media nor any organization that the speakers have been, currently are, or will be affiliated with. Hello, and welcome to the Holding Short podcast. I am your host, Laura Matheson. Today, we are joined by Drone Bandari. With his head turned skywards from a young age, Drone Bandari has always dreamed of being a pilot. After getting inspired during his time learning about aviation through the Air Cadets, he began his career learning to fly out of Ottawa International Airport. Since graduation, he has worked as a Class 2 flight instructor in an integrated CPL program, along with his role as a check instructor. For the past year, Drone has been flying the PC-12NG, doing medevac operations under the direction of the Ontario Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care. Drone holds a Canadian CPL and is working towards his ATPL. He hopes to gain a variety of industry experience to reach his goal of becoming a training captain, where he can combine his love for flying and teaching to inspire the next generation of pilots. Drone Bandari, thank you for joining us. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having excited me. Excited to be here. I'm very excited. Wonderful. So how did you get your start in aviation? Well, um, I grew up always being fascinated by aviation. I was raised in a non-aviation family, so no pilots in my family that inspired me to get into this. But um, I caught the aviation bug early by just watching planes fly over my house growing up near Toronto Pearson. My parents always tell me stories of how they'd get me how I'd get lost as a kid going on walks with them because I'd stare and look at planes in the sky and they'll keep walking without me and not realize that I've just stopped staring at planes. Um, But something about flying just amazed me. So I chased that feeling and I joined the Air Cadets during my early years as a part of that organization. I learned some vital skills like discipline, professionalism, and aviation knowledge. Skills that I still find that I use to this day. Air Cadets gave me my first taste of flying from the cockpit and being in control of the aircraft through their gliding program. I always considered flying as a future hobby as I grew older, but then I asked myself, wouldn't it be fun to do this all the time and actually get paid to do it? So that led me to get enrolled in the aviation program at Algonquin College, where I worked on getting my professional pilot training and led me to a career of flight instructing and now medevac flying. So as someone that also came from a non-aviation family, I can appreciate so much how having really supportive and patient parents is a big deal in those formative aviation years when you're fully in love with this. And to them, it's just a plane or just a helicopter. Uh, I had always wanted to be in aviation as well and was also an air cadet for a brief time, uh, although I never flew with them. And it wasn't until quite late into my time as a cadet that I realized that civilian aviation was an option, that you didn't have to go through the military. So uh, the cadets is a great program, especially if you want to learn a lot of discipline and leadership skills uh, from sort of a young teenage age onwards. Mm -hmm. I I definitely agree. Patience with parents is really important. My, My parents have been very patient with my training and me dedicating a lot of time to this um 
that also meant that I wasn't seeing them as often and because I was busy throughout the program, but they, they've definitely been a big part of this. Mm-hmm. What were some strategies that helped you along the way in your aviation journey? Um, I think it's really important to be aware of your strengths and weaknesses. I've always tried to use my strengths as my advantage and seek opportunities that I know that I would excel in. Not only does this make me a better employee, but a better team member, and it makes me feel more accomplished and fulfilled. Being aware of your weaknesses is equally as important because it helps you understand what you need to focus on. In my case, I know I'm a slow learner, which is probably not something you want to share on job interviews and things like that, especially in a career like flying. But knowing how to deal with your weakness is really important. For me, I know I have to study more often, review my material more often, do more preparations than my peers have to, to meet the same standards that they do. Um, That doesn't mean that I'm a bad pilot or someone that requires a lot of retraining. It just means that I know I have to put more effort into everything I do to meet the standard or even exceed the standard. And I think being aware of that has helped me become more successful. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it because both of us became young people and pilots and we're trying to figure out how to do both of those things at the same time. We were both right out of high school and learning how to be an adult and who you are while also being within aviation as such a non-traditional career in many ways and trying to figure out how the things you were good at in high school, let's just say maybe math and English, how that would apply to aviation because you didn't take a weather class. You didn't take, or at least I didn't take a small engines course somewhere in high school. And that would have been really helpful along the way. Absolutely. And I think we all bring our own diverse backgrounds into this career. Um, even at a professional level, we work as a team, but the strengths that I might bring from my background of teaching and having flown in certain areas versus another person who had flown in a different area or maybe had a bush flying job or uh, a survey job or anything like that. It's, or even back to high school where we all had different high school experiences. Some people were more into cars and mechanical things and some people had a more academic background or something like that. We're really good at Um, math. Yeah, our, our diverse experiences for sure is what makes teams work really well. Mm-hmm. What until now has most impacted your flying? I think something that has impacted my flying in a positive and negative way has been the competition in flying. Since I started my flight training, there's always been a constant feeling of being in competition with everyone in my class and everyone in the industry as well especially in the pre-COVID days when so many great positions were available. Everyone wanted to constantly be moving up the ladder. They wanted the biggest plane, the best companies, the the highest role. They wanted to be the top dog. Um, And I think that affected me in a positive way because it pushed me to be more skillful, qualified, and competitive as I could be. I had to be better than the person next to me Otherwise, they would get the job over me or they would be have better connections. Be You had to be out there more. Um, it definitely did have its negative side, though, because reflecting back at it while being stuck in competition, I forgot many times to appreciate that the journey I was on 
really enjoying the moment mm-hmm. um, through flight training, instructing, and other roles. And I still find that sometimes, but ever since I've come to the realization that this competition has negative aspect as well, I've been working on finding a balance between being an impressive professional. You always, in my opinion, you always have to be getting better and seeing how you could be a better pilot, learn more for sure. Um, but also finding the value of my work and finding happiness from it has become important for me. As a class two instructor and as a former Czech pilot for your flight school, what insight do you have on flight test prep? Um, I think from my experience, the best advice that I can give anyone is to believe in yourself. I found this to be helpful as a student, as an instructor, and then as a Czech pilot, seeing the students that um, were going through these tests. Personally, tests of any kind make me nervous. Um, Going back to what I said earlier about being a slow learner, I prepare and practice as much as I can, but sometimes that what if feeling is still there. What if what I'm doing is not enough? Mm-hmm. And I think I think the key is to look past this test to what you want to achieve, what your goal is. When it comes to flight tests, say a CPL flight test, we aim to meet the CPL skill level. And what helps me is to just pretend that the test is just a formality, that you're already a commercial pilot. You've prepared, uh, practiced, studied, and now you just have to show it to an examiner, something that you've already been doing. You also have to remember that when an instructor and a flight school recommends you for these tests, they have that confidence in your ability, especially having achieved the standard themselves and sent multiple other students through these flight tests. They see that you have what it takes. And we definitely do become our biggest enemies under stress. So believe in yourself. And if you really struggle with that, imagine the most professional pilot that you know and you look up to and ask yourself, what would they do during the test? How would they answer a question? What's the safest and most professional way to do it, especially on a commercial flight test where you're trying to be a commercial pilot? I know in the lead up to my commercial flight test, I had basically psyched myself out. I had taken what should have just been a formality. You have a flight test and you do it and it's no biggie. It's like any other flight you do. You've done all these things before and people aside from yourself believe in you. But I had gotten it in my mind that the same way that my PPL was a license to learn, my CPL was this professional license where people will hire you and pay you now and you need to be so mindful of safety and rules and planning and all these different things. And I had really psyched myself out and gone completely overboard in my prep. I know uh, for my commercial ground brief, I had three maps all completely done up. And I think I slightly overwhelmed my flight test examiner by my ground brief. Yeah. I I really like that. You mentioned that PPL being the license to learn and, in some ways, they're all licenses to learn. Even a commercial flight test, after passing it and meeting all the requirements, you have a commercial license and you're able to be hired now. But the thing is, even these professional pilots that we may look up to um, who have a lot more experience than us, um, we, we try to be like them. And I remember when I was a student, I used to beat myself up a lot, especially with my instructors, because my instructors would demonstrate something to a, an absolute four level And I would demonstrate something or do something or make a decision that probably wasn't the best one. 
and I'd beat myself over it. It's like, well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? But sometimes I had to reassure myself saying, well, they have a thousand hours more than me or more time or people that, you know, we look up to have thousands of hours in multiple different jobs and have flown in different conditions and in practical flying. Um, being mindful of where you are in your career is really important too. You're allowed to make mistakes. It's the mistakes. Hopefully we don't make too many mistakes, but these are the mistakes that are going to help us learn and uh, become better pilots in that way. It's always going to be a license to learn in a career that's always going to be filled with learning. What was it like transitioning from a flight instructor role into a medevac role? Uh, The transition was quite fun but it was also challenging at the same time. The fun part was seeing how things that I'd been teaching in theory in school were in practically in the medevac world where efficiency Mm -hmm. is very important. Not just the medevac world, but 703, 704, 705 operators, um, how things were done on a day-to-day basis, going into uncontrolled airports or um, working with ATC, what are the common phrases that you just don't hear in phraseology guides or when teaching a student saying, okay, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. Um, In the practical world, things are done obviously with safety in mind um, and procedures and laws are obviously followed. uh, But there are the tricks that you learn on the job. Um, I was amazed to see how procedures and standard practices in the multi-crew environment can make things more efficient, uh, especially in IFR operations. Uh, another big change was not constantly checking on the other person in the cockpit. As an instructor, um, I was taught to critique. I was taught to watch over. This is someone fairly new. Um, they, they may do things that put both of us in danger, um, at least in the beginning. And I was supposed to be ready and be steps ahead of this person and be ready to take control at any time and critique them afterwards. Notice the things that they are doing that they can work on. Transitioning into a multi-crew world, um, I still carried on that habit of looking over the person to my side and seeing what they were doing. And sometimes that got me uh, distracted from what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And I think a big part of the multi-crew environment is that both pilots do make sure that things are being done correctly, but you're supposed to do your tasks individually. And that's what brings you together as a team. We split the duties and that's what really brings things together. So getting out of that instructor mindset was definitely a challenge. And what was it like changing your mindset from someone that had been an instructor to someone that was now a first officer? Um, transitioning from a, from an instructor role to a first officer role, um, there was definitely a change in power in my head. You went from a position that you were piloting command. You were in charge of the airplane, in charge of how things go, generally more knowledgeable than the other person in the plane. The other person was asking you questions, obviously, Um, In an instructor-student role, you still work as a team. There's things that your students will bring in to the cockpit and things that they will notice that are equally important to be recognized in every flight. Uh, But you, I went from a role where I was in quite a bit of power to now someone else is responsible and someone else is 
having the final say in things. Obviously, my opinion is still considered, but I'm not the top dog in the cockpit anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, that was, that was a big change. Um, and there's definitely good sides and bad sides to something like that mentally. I, I know the good side is sometimes there's decisions, hard decisions that need to be made, go or no go decisions that I can obviously add on to. Um, but at the end of the day, the decision is not 100% on me. So I have someone with more experience than me who's able to make that decision for me. And I can obviously, if there's something big, I can always say, say uh, against it. Um, and that's really helpful. I, I find having a lot of that stress off my mind is great. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to us more about the day-to-day of medevac flying? The day-to-day medevac life can be probably summarized up in one word is unpredictable. You don't know where you'll be flying, You what kind of patients you'll have, even if you'll make it home that night or not. Uh, we prepare always to deal with any possible scenario that comes in front of us. The trick is definitely to be prepared. Working in a critical care operation, we make sure that our aircraft, our gear, and our team is prepared for everything that the day brings to us right at the beginning of the shift. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, it's we, we, we go to work, we have all our setup done, and we obviously do our walk rounds and uh, make sure that our aircraft is stocked and ready to go um, before the beginning of the shift. Then after that, it's a waiting game, waiting for that phone to go off versus, you know, uh, a flight school where I've taught where, you know, you know your lesson plans in the beginning of the day, you know, when you're flying with which student and what lessons are going to be covered or, or an airline world where, you know, your destinations, you know, if you're going to be overnighting somewhere, um, as long as things are going to plan, um, in the medevac world, you don't know what's going to be coming up for you. It could be a short one hour trip back to base after that, or it could be a three hour flight that brings you home into overtime or doesn't bring you home at all. Um, while we're waiting, we try to get as much rest as possible, eat meals. Cause you don't know if you're going to be able to have a chance to eat meals later. Um, some people even work out. We have our base set up so that people are comfortable since, um, we're not allowed to leave base while we're at work. Um, you know, we have kitchens, we have a workout room, we have places that people can nap and, uh, be ready to go. Um, for me, it helps to stay as productive as possible, keep my mind mm-hmm. engaged. Um, but once that phone goes off, it's all about checking the weather, filing flight plans, launching towards our first patient. And then from there, we can go patient to patient to patient. But every day is fun, though. So I know you to be a big fan of the show Grey's Anatomy. And I'm curious how your interest in the medical field changes your perception of medevac flying. Um, yeah, Grey's Anatomy is definitely one of my favorite shows for sure. Um, I've really enjoyed the show and the medical side of those things. And now working in a medevac operation, get to see some of those things that's seen on the show. Um, as pilots in our operation, we're kept away from the medical details of a patient. So our decisions made for flights, whether it's a go or no go is never determined by patient condition but made by, is it safe to do this flight? Uh, but you always always hear things in passing. We, we are involved in loading and unloading the patient, so we, we get to see the patient. And um, obviously, in Grey's Anatomy, it's fictional, so you don't have too many feelings towards the patient versus in, in the medevac operation, you do see people, you see 
younger children to much older people and, um, and people in different conditions. And you definitely hear a lot of the same Grey's Anatomy terms coming up. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that I always heard in Grey's Anatomy whenever they had a new patient come in is GCS, uh, which tells you um, it's the scale on how awake a patient is and how active they are. And that's a term that I hear a lot uh, when our medics are getting details and things like that. We, we hear, well, I overhear that term sometimes with them saying, GCS of four or GCS of whatever, right? Um, the words intubation and all these drug names coming in a lot of the time. So th- those are some things that come from Grey's Anatomy. And I find that cool to be involved in that. It gets me excited. Um, I, I'm just flying the plane, but it's, it's nice to hear all those medical monitors sometimes in the back. Mm-hmm. And obviously the uh, flight crew, the medical flight crews that you have are so proficient. Absolutely. Um, I'm grateful for our operation. Um, everyone definitely has a role in our operation. It's, it's definitely not a one person show. It's not just the medics or just the pilots. Um, everything is designed for efficiency. Uh, we don't run for things in our operation. We try to not take our time, but take reasonable time to prepare. We don't want to show up to anything unprepared because that's not good for anyone. Um, but things are set up in a way that we're going to be an efficient operation, whether that be our medics. Exactly. Um, our medics set up the aircraft beforehand for anything that could possibly happen as pilots. We kind of have an easier role with that. We walk around a plane and have everything topped up as much as we can. Um, even back at our operational control where they coordinate all these plans beforehand and make a plan of how the day is going to go as things come up. And they're constantly bombarded with, they'd make a perfect plan and then a more emergent patient might come in or something might go for better or worse. And now their plans are constantly changing. So from them uh, coordinating those plans and then working with our medics who work very hard in the back, I'm grateful as a pilot on those days is all I have to do is fly a plane for them. They have something that's constantly changing. I have forecasts. Uh, medics don't have forecasts for what the patient's going to do to them. Um, but they, they definitely are um, a vital part of our operation for sure. Who is someone in aviation that you admire and why? Um, I don't think I can name one person I admire alone because there's so many people that I can probably name off. But in my career so far, I've encountered many wonderful individuals. These people are teachers, friends, captains, mentors, coworkers, who've each given me a reason to admire something about them or learn from them. Mm-hmm. As I'm on this long journey of becoming a good pilot, I use what each of these people has taught me to mold myself into the individual, the professional I want to be. I really think a good pilot is always learning and I hope to keep meeting new and interesting people in my career, wherever that be, who will teach me something new. Even individuals out of aviation um, have a big impact on me, friends and other people that we'll meet um, and people in aviation who directly impact my aviation career. Mm -hmm. No, a mentor and someone that you look up to can represent and also be so many different things for you. 
And I know for myself, I have different mentors that I go to for different things. Um, there's one I can think of if I have a really bad day and think, oh, you know what? This aviation thing, I've, I'm, I'm in too deep. This is never going to pan out the way I want it to. Uh, I call them when I feel like I should just stop being in aviation. And they have so far convinced me that, no, you're, you're right where you need to be. It, it's going to be okay. And I also have people I go to if I want a more technical answer or if I want someone to explain engines and other very technical things. Uh, I, I have a guy for that. I, I know who I call when I <laughs> need to understand something really technical who can go through it with me. And that's that's something that I'm learning is a good quality in being a pilot is being humble. Um, pilots tend to be... Uh, I'm just going to make an observation. I think pilots tend to be the type A personality. We, we get a certain yeah. high from flying and we're doing something that is not generally done in an everyday life and most people's uh, life. Um, and it gives you that confidence feeling learning that you could use that the confidence is great, but learning to also be humble at the same time is equally as important. What is your ultimate aviation career goal? Uh, I'd say at this point, I really aim to keep my love for flying and the happiness that I get from it going. I think the best way to achieve that is to chase the things I love the most. I really enjoy my current role as a medevac pilot, and I'd like to keep doing it. It has spontaneous days. It has a variety of flying from pavement to gravel to winter to reroutes midair and all the things from it and there's a rewarding feeling from this job that i greatly enjoy uh i also did enjoy my time as an instructor i really appreciate what it taught me as a person and as a pilot all the people i met in it as well so i hope one day i can combine the two and become a become a training captain at whichever company i'm working for at that time um I've learned the hard way that things in aviation don't usually go to plan. So I hope wherever this career takes me, I'm still happy doing it. And I think wherever the career will take me or wherever I'm working, I'm still going to learn to appreciate what each job brings to me. And lifestyle is something that's made me decide between jobs now. And that's very important because you might be happy at your job or you might be making lots of money at your job, but what you do in the other half of your life is equally as important. Ideally, you try to be happy in both those things, right? Um, I think going forward in my career, like I have in the past, uh, lifestyle is always going to play a big role in uh, deciding where to go or which job offer to take or what schedule to even pick. What advice would you have for someone looking to get into aviation? Well, in my short aviation career so far, um, it's taught me many lessons. And I think those lessons are what's made me a better pilot today. The biggest lesson that I learned and would tell anyone, as I said earlier, would things don't always go as planned. And that can be on a bigger scale with your career and how you've planned it, your five-year plan or your 10-year plan or whatever you might have. Or it could just be your everyday flying. You could have a trip that you checked all the weather forecasts and current conditions and runway conditions. You flight planned it, but 
when you actually get flying, things might change, weather might come in, routes might get changed, runways might get obstructed with things. Things change on an everyday basis. And it could just be back to your flight training times too, like timelines due to aircraft or instructor schedules might not happen. Or as we know right now, a global pandemic can definitely change your plans. Uh, Now this shouldn't be something that makes you scared. Obviously as when things don't go to plan, we get anxious, but that's something you have to be prepared for. I think going into aviation is you have to learn to adjust what it does for you. Um, And that'll take time. Obviously there's going to be big adjustments and small adjustments, but this is something that aviation has taught me and something that I've gotten better at is adjusting to my surroundings and adjusting to what's next. Please share with me a favorite memory from any point in your career. One of my most favorite or memorable memories in aviation. And I I tell the story to anyone who's willing to listen. Um, it's probably one of my shortest, (laughs) it's, it's probably one of my shortest flights in my career. Um, the current company I work for likes to host an annual Christmas party for all the employees, children. And this is, this is pre COVID Christmas party. Um, and the Christmas party has a part where Santa comes in like most Christmas parties, but having being in an aviation company, obviously Santa's not going to walk in. Santa's going to fly in. So last year I was fortunate enough to sneak Santa onto our plane since the Christmas party was being held in the hangar, closed doors, um, we had a plane parked outside and uh, I snuck Santa Claus in the back of our plane and we were able to fly a circuit around the airport. And while we were out of the hangar's view, um, the hangar doors were opened and the kids were told, hey, Santa Claus on its on their way. Um Anyway, flew just a circuit around the airport and landed and the kids saw the plane landing and the plane come to the stop in front of the hangar and the big cargo door on the back open up and Santa Claus there. Now, in their eyes, I just flown to the North Pole um, and brought Santa Claus there when actually it was a point three of an hour. Um, <laughs> as said, one of my shortest flights. Uh, and none of everything that I had trained for all this time through my flight training, all through all my different experiences, all my long three hours plus flights, um, any of my sim training never included anything about having Santa Claus in the back. Um, <laughs> no one trained you for something like that, but I found that instant gratification that I got from it being hmm. one of the highlights of my career thus far. That is something that I believe all those children will remember forever uh, how cool would it have been to be at a holiday party as a little kid and not for santa to just arrive to the event but to be flown in from the north pole i think that would just be an absolute highlight for anyone flying the plane mm-hmm. or not i think that's just so cool yeah absolutely it was uh it, w- it was definitely a great experience I guess some of those kids might think that reindeers don't exist and it's airplanes that Santa gets to fly in and private airplanes. (laughs) Well, the reindeer is still there, but it was obviously a special excursion and you needed the PC-12 for that. Yeah, exactly. Now, before we wrap up today, where can our listeners find you on social media? Um, Mostly on Instagram. Uh, We try to... uh, 
post stories and pictures of, on my Instagram page of uh, my everyday adventure, obviously being in Medivac. I can't share everything on there, but anytime I see a cool sunset, I will definitely post it. Um, so that's at Drone Bandari, uh, spelled like how it would be in the title. Excellent. Drone Bandari, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed this talk. Me too. It was nice to catch up. Absolutely. The Holding Short Podcast is a production of Holding Short Media. The show is written and hosted by me, Laura Matheson, and edited and produced by Cameron Bokoff. Our music is an original composition of Riley Searles. If you would like to learn more about the show, the Holding Short Podcast is on Instagram and Facebook at Holding Short Media. Please subscribe, rate, and review us. Thank you.